Just stop it. The run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Our guest today has been disrupting for over 20 years, probably most of his life, I bet you. While he's in biotechnology, he has a wealth of experience in big data, AI, machine learning, data science, data mining, computer vision, as well as film production, media, telecom, marketing, PR, sales, finance, investments, banking, entertainment, and retail. With this hybrid of experience, he thinks outside the box to come up with efficient solutions to complex problems. He's the founder of a biotech company in Delaware. And they have 40 diverse IT developers from 12 countries, forming probably the world's biggest biotech startup in which all team members are devoted to humanity's longevity. Their ultimate goal is to make people live 20 plus years longer, but active and happy years without limitations. Please welcome founder of Longevity in Time, Oleg Tetarine. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> the world's biggest startup with the developers who work without cash, they're on the equity-based contract. So uh, it's not the biggest high-tech biotech company. It's just that all the developers, they are motivated not to die and to invest their time and their skills in exchange for longer living. That's actually amazing. So they have not only that passion and that purpose, but you guys believe you're going to make it yeah that's why they're sacrificing their life in something uh, bigger than just the money because uh, all the world is monetary orientated and focused on making money forgetting what is the main purpose of the life i think the main purpose of the life is the life itself and as longer as possible healthy not to be a vegetable and um, i found the it developers who understood that so the uh, before we are pre-revenue before we get revenue so they would invest their own life into the product which will make their loved ones themselves and the humanity as a bonus live longer well that surely is a high star purpose and i love that but before we get into that because i want to get i really want to dive into that what is you know oleg you've done a ton of stuff you've done a lot of things you've innovative many areas you've disrupted many areas and you're bringing all this together what is your main number one ingredient for disruptive innovation to be persistent and i started from the sales and I understand that in sales every contact becomes a contract if you'll be persistent if you will don't lose the uh, the contact with, with, with your leads. And this is the main ingredient of uh, the success I had when I was a salesman for advertising. I've raised about 100 millions in sales in advertising during my 29 years experience. I never lost contacts and I converted contacts in contracts. The thing is that maybe 
it can take decades of years to get 100% of your contacts converted into contracts. And the exchange rate in the beginning would be like maybe 0.1% of uh, efficiency. But if you don't lose your persistence, one day all the contacts will be converted into contracts. So I guess this is the main ingredient. Well, it certainly goes with the new biotech company that you have, doesn't it? <laughs> persistence. You know, yeah, a lot that's... of very successful people I know have started in sales. It really does give you a great foundation, doesn't it? Yes, because actually everything what you do in your life is more or less sales. You, either you buy, either you sell, you always bargain. And when, you know, some marketing, they say that we're not a salesperson. I say, wait a second, you make a system for sales. Anyway, it's a sales, right? When I was hiring people, I was selling them the idea of longevity because, you know, the brain of people is structured in the way that the brain doesn't understand its mortality. The brain is programmed to live without understanding that it's mortal. That's why we're on a hook of that paradox that no matter how rich and how, how clever you are, you don't understand that one day you're going to die. And the most important thing is to invest all your knowledge, all your funds into extend the active life expectancy. If you don't care about your own life, okay, your loved ones. If you don't care about your loved ones, instead of sacrificing of your fortune into the charity funds, sacrifice it in anti-aging fundamental research. So one day people would be living 120 years as healthy as they were up to 40. Yeah, let's talk about that. You said something very interesting, like um, anti-aging and like funding research. What is the status quo of that right now? Because every time I hear anti-aging, I think of beauty products, less wrinkles, nothing that really is going to increase the longevity of our lives. So tell me about this industry and you know, what you feel like is wrong with it and where it needed to change and what needed to happen. Well, the first thing we need to say that uh, there is a longevity and there is a radical longevity. When we talk about uh, average life expectancy of the humanity, it's like up to 80, 82 years is a maximum, like in Japan and in Spain. You need to understand the radical longevity is when you're up to 120 years. Yeah, so we need to define the difference between longevity and the radical uh, longevity. It's like life expectancy up to 80, 82 years, like in uh, Japan and Spain and few other countries. And radical longevity is uh, to live until 120 at least. Uh, until today, there was only one uh, lady who lived, uh, well, no, known lady who lived until 122. She's from France. She was from France. And that's it. So when we talk about longevity, we uh, consider that it's radical longevity. Okay. We want to extend uh, life just for one extra day, for one extra week. It's priceless. But uh, the essence of that is to make it to make people live 20, maybe 40 years longer. So this is one thing. The other thing is uh, there's a, a, lots of dis disputes going on. What is aging? And uh, some scientists want to consider it that it's a disease the same as cancer or whatever. So when we call about anti-aging, we, we call it to fight the, this disease of early death or the death itself and to slow down the aging. There are different topics and they could be a, a little bit different descriptions on, on what are the topics are. So what we're talking about is just healthy longevity, radical longevity, slowing aging, fighting aging as a disease and so on. So regarding the, uh, the problem, what's going on right now is that we all hear the breaking news that some new medicine was developed, some clinical trials started, this and that. But basically, you will never find anything yet 
working on humans. So there is no, so to say, anti-aging, well, maybe it will never be existing because we believe that aging is very complex and it cannot be solved with just one pill. It's just a huge amount of interactions, for example, tracking your health, tracking on early stages, tracking by a variety of parameters and so on. So it's not just a pill. And then when the scientists will develop something, then you will use that kind of technology or drug or a system of interventions to target the exact cause of your future death. So if you're going to go deeper, you will see that fundamental scientists at this moment have nothing to offer to public. There are zero existing prolonging life technologies, solutions, medicine, you name it. And the other problem is that the scientists, the only thing they say that they are, they cannot declare that they lost the war with the death. Because once they're going to declare, they're going to lose their contracts with institutions, with universities, colleges, and so on. But once they don't say that, other people will be stay hoping that one day they will develop something. And until that, maybe less people like my team would be going into the journey of finding their own solution. So this there's the less why. incentive for these scientists to actually find a solution to this because they would lose their funding. This is one one thing. The other one thing aspect. that uh, the fundings are too small. For example, mm -hmm. when the humanity was fighting COVID, they invested like trillions of dollars in, in, in fighting one disease, which is going to take away maybe 1% of the population. But they were not fighting the early death, which is going to take 100% of population. And today, the anti-aging yeah. fundamental scientists, they receive worldwide, maybe, per, excuse me? They receive worldwide how much? Maybe 200, 300 million dollars. But it's not for medical care. It's not for something traditional. I'm talking about specifically anti-aging fundamental researches. 200, so, 300 million dollars not enough for this research? I think 200, 300 billion dollars would not be enough. Humanity can spend that, that much per year if they spend worldwide for military and law enforcement expenses much, much more. And military and law enforcement, it takes lives. And uh, we say invest in what give lives or uh, keep lives, you know? Yeah, it's like we're a death culture. Absolutely. Well, this is another topic. Like religion is doing disadvantage to the humanity, excusing why we should die and, and preparing people for death, saying it's good, blah, 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 and so on. So the promotion of death is very being he heavily in the humanity. And... Um, well, that's been going uh, on for centuries, right? Like bodies haven't lived very long. They're just starting to live longer. When you talk about radical longevity, and I know you mean active, happy, healthy years, but most people think, why do I want to live 120 years? I'm not going to be able to get around. I'm not going to be able to see. I'm not, I'm going to be paralyzed. Like, you know, our viewpoint of living longer does not in society mean that it's going to be better? Well, uh, my, my position is to give a choice to people to leave or not to leave. Uh, today, we don't have a choice. We just died 80s or 90s or 70s or 100 if we, we'll be lucky. We'll, we're going to die uh, if we're lucky uh, in active phase. But mostly people, they're going to die like a vegetables, helpless in hospices and so on. I'm not here to talk about the overpopulation of humanity, the ethical things or any kind of excuses which can be arised in dozens of arguments. I'm here to talk about that the main purpose of the life is the life itself and the death is not part of it. 
since uh, even nature shows us the examples like it's possible to live if, if very long like banyan tree or a bamboo tree which lives thousands of years or like immortal jellyfish which is immortal by its name and it can be dead only by predators so there are lots of cases like, like, like that and why humans should live less also there are talks like during past 200 years the life expectancy of humans were doubled Yes, of course, because of the medicine, because of the hygiene and different interventions which were made, uh, less wars and uh, predator surroundings and so on. Uh, but this is not this is not the case. The case is that if the if humanity is, uh, spends a lot of money for the military or road buildings or uh, skyscrapers buildings or travels to space, electronic automobiles and so on, why we're not spending enough to the main thing that even those people who spare who share this who split these expenditures on the government levels or on corporate levels they're going to die themselves and their children why they're not thinking of what is really more most important yeah maybe they don't and, even and this is the, think the, that it's this possible is the, uh, huge problem of uh, mindset of the people and yes. this is the reason why we all die because yes. if one day all the high wealth individuals or corporations or just normal people, just 8 billion of people would be investing at least 1% of their lifetime thinking of what can be done to live longer. I'm not talking about even money. I'm talking about their time investment. Invest their time in their thoughts. I think we're going to fight this crucial serial killer called death, which takes away 115,000 people every day. 115,000 people every day who died not because of the age, but because of the various diseases. That is very interesting because of the various diseases. How do you solve this problem with AI, machine learning, data science? Like, how, what is the innovation here that you're working on that would allow radical longevity? Yes, like uh, I said a few minutes before, that prolonging life is quite complex. And you need to start with tracking your health from the most early stages as possible, from the earliest age as possible. After analyzing that fundamental scientists haven't started in huge scales of the clinical trials on humans of different interventions, right now they're stuck on the animals' clinical trials like on mouses, on worms, on fish, on other animals, until it would be on the production scale that clinical trials would be held on humans. The only thing how we can prolong our life is not to get sick. Not to get sick, quite easy, but it's a little bit tricky. You need to track your health as frequent as two, three times per year by a variety of parameters. Not like any kind of insurance companies do. When you go to a doctor, therapist, say, what is troubling you? So he's not asking you, like, let's make just a checkup, not just a normal checkup, which is like once per year, which should be at least once if per that. that. Yes, and he should assign you not the amount of parameters of this traditional health checkup, which can be like 20 parameters like glucose, cholesterol, and so on, blood pressure. He should assign you up to 400 parameters, including X-rays, MRIs, and everything, which is not covered by traditional checkup in by any kind of insurance companies, but you need to convince, and the doctor himself, that it's not because it's hurting you. It's just because you don't want to die as Steve Jobs in 56 or mother of Bill Gates in 65. They had money, knowledge, access to technologies, to doctors, 
but the doctors overslept the diseases by the different reasons. Mostly it was cancer. Why they overslept it? Because the amount of parameters they were tracking was not sufficient enough to track these diseases down at early stages. Everybody say that if you track yeah. cancer on the first or the second stage, you can cure it. Well, with, we, we believe even if you track cancer on the first stage, it's already late because it will cut five, 10 years at the end of your life for 100% sure. So our approach is to catch the disease before that first stage, on the previous stage, so to say. And how it can be done? By three, four, tracking yourself per year and tracking every time by 400 or even more parameters. This is one thing. The second thing, you should always give your genetic test by thousands of genes because you can track the genetic, so to say, trajectory, what, what happened with your ancestors and what can happen with you. For example, my grandma, she, she died of the Alzheimer's. Well, she died a long time ago. The doctors, they didn't know that term so well because Alzheimer's was quite the new name that time. And it was like dementia, but dementia is uh, the latest stage and Alzheimer's is part of the dementia. Right. There are lots of different stages of dementia and, and Alzheimer's was. So I have a gene which is uh, responsible for Alzheimer's. Even Alzheimer's is incurable. Can you imagine we want to travel to Mars, but we cannot cure Alzheimer's and most of the cancers on the third or fourth stages. Of course, there are exceptions, but I'm talking about in, ge in, in general. But now I'm informed. And I know what to do, not to drink a lot of alcohol, to, to eat a lot of berries, nuts, and uh, Mediterranean cuisine. That's why I'm in, in That's Turkey. That's why you're in Turkey. <laughs> we should tell our listeners, they're probably like, he's not in Delaware. No, he's in Turkey, guys. <laughs> yes, I'm in Turkey, in, in Turkey and treating myself with uh, not with farmed fish, but with the fish from the, from the seeds. It's different. But that's another story. So the other thing is that my, my grandfather, he died of this of the strokes of multiple strokes so on his end from the genetic uh, side i have the uh, the problem with my vasculars so like a vascular disease or this was oh, your father not... on your father's side yeah so today i have so today i have that kind of information it was made by genetic it will not necessarily that i'm gonna be diseased by by these uh by these diseases but it's a data but, point uh, in the genes would... right yes yes so you need to track your genetic part and sometimes you need even to do your genetic tests few times uh, during your lifetime because depending on the environment, the genetics could change. And th th these are the new uh, research of, uh, of some scientists because before they said that genetic doesn't change. But well, well, if you live in the radiation field, your genetic will change definitely. I agree. And, uh, yeah, and there are lots of other cases. So the second thing is to track your health by variety of parameters. And the, when you check, should be variety of parameters, like 400 and, and more. So this is the main ingredient or the recipe for your um, happy and active longevity today until the fundamental scientists will do something better. Because once they do it, the best intervention could be done with a healthy body state, health state. So if you're going to be sick, there is about 50% chance that no matter what the, the drug would be developed, it will not help you because you, will, you your health state would not be in that quality to accept that kind of interventions. Regarding the AI part, so once we understand that tracking your health by variety of parameters is the solution, we realize that we can use AI, computer vision, are, is, are the technologies which can get that information, analyze it, use the big data history, like how it was before on uh, clinical trials, on uh, detecting uh, different stages of the diseases. 
and to make a prediction models, prediction disease models, which can, can get the information from your body, from your medical tests, from the gadgets, from your manual input, if you have that information and you don't have on hand any kind of lab results or gadgets cannot gather that information from your body. So you can put that information in a mobile application, which we developed and using our AI models, which were based on the big data collected from the medical databases, such as PubMed, Mimic, or Google Scholar. We use these prediction models to analyze your current health state and to give your personalized risks assessment and prediction report, in which you will see that in 10 years with that kind of lifestyle, with that environment, with that behavioral patterns, you will live not more than 10 years before the stroke or heart attack gonna gonna get to you. Or you have a, a highly likely chance of getting liver cancer or melanoma. And we will support every, every argument with the evidence-based articles on which we base our analysis. So it's not just some kind of IT geeks and that. No, we base everything by, on the science, on the traditional science, which is already published, but we summarize it, analyze it with AI, give the trajectory of your life, how it's going to be if you will not do anything or you will continue the same life or you will change your life. So we give you different projections depending on how you want to use your life power resource. So this is the answer to the question how the AI and computer vision could be done. The models, they, they developed on two, two big assets of the data. For example, tabular data, when you analyze everything which is in text and in tables, and the other one, the images data. For the images data, we need the computer vision. So if we have MRI scans, X-rays, computer tomography, any other image-related data sets, so we analyze them and we bring the to the user the same prediction depending how the his lifespan is going to be with that current parameter values. This is a big part. The second part, and, and we base that this analysis on the general population data, which is collected in this medical databases. The second thing what we do, since we understand that even if we are at the same age with some, for example, I'm 46, living, for example, today in Turkey, and there's another person of like Turkish guy, also 46, also male, like 85 kilos, 178 centimeters and blah, blah, blah. But we lived in different countries. For example, I started my life in Russia. He lived all, always on Mediterranean. So we had different environmental, different behavioral patterns. So if we would be making clinical trials on the same people like me, the outcomes of these clinical trials will not necessarily affect on the Turkish guys or on Chinese or on Americans living in another environmental and behavioral atmospheres. So these are so, all part of the data parameters that is collected and uh, put into the AI machine learning computer yes. vision algorithm, yes. right? Yes. And the thing is that we realized that to give exactly to you 100% personalized projections, we can only make if we're going to collect your own historical data. So for example, if you're with us for five years, and we know everything about you based on your blood, your pressure, your gadgets, your any other information which you can give to us. Analyzing these five years, we don't need the general population clinical trials outcomes to make prediction models based on AI or computer vision. We analyze your own data and we can make accuracy up to 99.9% because today giving um, predictions based on some Chinese outcomes or Australians, we can give you the accuracy, maybe 85 or 97%. And it is not highly likely would be accurate for you, even if it's 97%, because, because you're absolutely different person, even if you're in the same age, sex, and other groups with the clinical trial groups. 
Exactly. So this is tailor-made for the uh, person. In other um, uh, circumstances. So it's, it's not only to collect data, it's uh, to collect your own data for a long period of time. Since uh, most of the medical institutions, they don't do that. And uh, in our mobile application, we assemble the tracking of top 20 diseases by 400 parameters and collecting in your digital biobank, so to say, your historical data values by which we're going to make personalized predictions. And before that, we're going to use general population data to make more or less accurate predictions for you. Good. So I have a question. I have two questions, but let's start with one. You can do this customized for a person. You can find out his lifespan trajectory and you can make recommendations on what to change in his life to increase his long longevity correct yes it's up to that person if he does that of course yes and i will tell you more most of the people they don't want that and it's not because something wrong with the product like i said before in the beginning of our conversations it's the mindset so we found a solution how to fight their laziness about themselves how to fight their not being motivated to live. I'm not talking to live longer. I'm talking even to live because not tracking yourself, not thinking about your health, no matter how it sounds very boring, it will kill you one day, definitely. I mean, the majority of people, if you don't care about your phone or your car, your phone gonna die, your car gonna die. But how, how many times how do you, you bring your phone to the service? How many times you bring your car to the service? Right. Much frequenter than uh, frequently than yourself. Well, how do you get people over that hurdle? Since, like we started in the beginning, most of people are focused on the money. We're going to give them money. If you want to be motivated, if you're not motivated to live longer, but you're motivated to earn money. Okay, you track yourself, we give you money. You download our application, we give you money. You give your risk report, we give you money. You have your recommendation report, we give you money. So we are not trying to change the mindset of the people because it will not, my life will end 100 times quicker before I can change the mindset of the people. But I can play on their, on, on their rules. So the How rules are you the doing this? And mm -hmm. there's 400 data points or uh, parameters, as you say. That could be very expensive to do. Now you're going to pay people to do this. How does the medical system end up supporting this? What is the plan there? Well, first of all, once we analyzed that the fundamental scientists lost the game, then we realized what is the recipe of your longevity, like tracking by a variety of parameters. And then we understood about the mindset that the people are focused on the money and they don't focus on their health. So we started building longevity ecosystem, our own ecosystem. And with this ecosystem, the monetary part is like in everywhere. Like if you have some kind of a bonus card, you get some cashbacks and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> the same here comes here. So we developed a longevity coin. This is a cryptocurrency, which would be used to benefit every step of our users in the mobile application, like starting the registration, bringing friends, making your first medical report, downloading your medical exams, x-rays, blah, blah, blah. So any step you do, we give you this kind of monetary compensation, so to say. And of course, we're going to develop a longevity coin as a cryptocurrency. So once it would be developed, you can easily exchange earned coins into hard currency. This is one thing. The second thing regarding the medical institutions or insurance companies. Well, first of all, medical institutions are interested in having that kind of a second opinion supporting system. We call it clinical supporting system, clinical decision supporting system, because doctors are humans. And even if you're going to make a scientific or medical board in your corporation out of 100 Nobel Prize winners in medicine, there are still 100 humans. Okay, their value may be worth of 
100,000 of clever humans, this board of 100 Nobel Prize winners. But still, if they are humans, they can mistake. In US, the death which is caused by the doctor's mistake is about 23%. In uh, Germany, it's up to even 30%. For example, in Russia, they don't even count it. So it could be even up to 50%. So in different countries, it's different. And uh, people die because of the, of the mistakes. And they don't have a tool to verify their decision. And having AI-powered tool that can tell that this, we think, I mean, the AI think that this is the wrong decision. Or please check that. It's not obligatory, but for a medical personnel, it is highly helpful. As for insurance companies, as well as for the healthy users, it's very useful because if you're healthy and your trajectory of your life will be long and healthy, why you should pay the same amount for the, like a sick people should. The tr tricky part, if you're sick, but because the insurance companies, they don't spend too much money on the healthy people because they don't need to spend. So they can customize their tariffs for the healthy people as well. So everybody's going to win. Well, so I and think the healthy people will pay their premiums longer. <laughs> for example, so by this, we went a little bit further. When you asked me a question about the cost efficiency, of course, to track yourself by 400 parameters could be quite cost not effective, so to say. We believe that the amount of parameters, if it would be taken on the population level of each country, the price of each medical exam could drop. So today, if you give a blood for 20 parameters, it can cost uh, to the lab, for example, by their cost efficiency, like $100. $100. And if you're going to make 400 uh, parameters, so the minimum could be like at least 1,000 or maybe higher. Of course, if you make like 10 or 20 uh, medical exams, blood exams per month, of course, it will not drop the price. But if you're going to have a volume of such customers like 10,000 or 100,000, I think the price of each parameter tracking your blood or other biomaterials like urine, feces, nails, skin, hair can drop significantly. And if we're going to work this model when the insurance companies will understand that they will not need to cover the expenses on the cancer care or other highly expensive diseases if they're going to track them down at the first stage and the cost of it is only the blood exam, I, I guess there's a big field for negotiations and dropping the price, dropping the price worldwide. Right. But of course, there is a part of high net worth individuals because they don't want to wait until all this market's going to drop the prices for the blood. And since the cases of, like I said, with Steve Jobs or Paul Allen, the partner of Bill Gates, who died in 64, showed that even their personal labs, they cannot guarantee the health of the people. We are in development of a longevity scientific resort in the Maldives. And we believe that the new approach, like lifetime health tracking, would be something new on the market. So when the customer comes to the resort, he pays like for one month of heavily longevity-focused uh, treatments, not marketing longevity like spas, like uh, some marketing longevity procedures with anti-aging creams and so on, but uh, everything up to date, which was developed by scientists. And if they want even to try something, of course, it would be legally considered and have all the disclaimers, all, all the contracts in proper to be signed, they can try on themselves some new technologies which are not yet were tried on, on humans. And if, especially if it's a last mile client, so to say, when the person is on the first, fourth or terminal stage, of course he wants to try. And we need to give him an opportunity to do so. And in some very comfortable uh, jurisdiction, and for the doctors, for the uh, therapists, 
and for the customer as well. But right. this is one part. The other part is that the healthy clients who want to track their health, they can pay some fixed amount and they can forget about uh, tracking themselves. We will be doing that for them using this technology remotely. Of course, they would need to give blood and other biomaterials in their local countries and to give the outcomes uh, to our system. But uh, the, the main thing is that it's uh, lifetime uh, covered. Got it. Once they to the, re the resort for the rest of their life, we're tracking them. So Got this it. is the okay, good. The wait, 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 wait. Ecosystem. Okay, good. I have a question. I have a question. So talking about high net worth individuals, right? What is the hierarchy of those that, like the early adopters of this technology? Is it the high net worth individuals first? Not necessarily. You know, there's biohackers, the people who are trying anything on themselves. Well, I personally think it's quite dangerous stuff because life is so precious and it's so unique. It cannot be copied. Well, it can be copied. You can talk about this. As, so biohackers uh, would be the so early where adopters. Where longevity of this. can go, like mind transfer. Yeah, I think biohackers, they are already, with, with, without interacting with us or others, they're trying to prolong their life by themselves and they're experiencing on themselves everything what they read in the scientific or not scientific literature and press. So I, th I think this is one uh, who's, who's the next? Well, the high net worth individuals, like I said, they want to have the second opinion. Everybody wants to have second opinion and then to make a decision. Because right now, people are always... Either they are with the human's uh, opinion of the doctors, who could be mistaken, or maybe not, or with their own opinion and the opinion of this doctor. Some of them, they go Google search. Well, by the way, Google search, not necessarily bad. It can give you some additional information, and then you can have more or less, like, I would say, two and a half opinions, like yours, your doctor's, and the Google search. So and high net worth it. individuals that want a second <laughs> opinion, and then after them, who's next? When we tested our mobile application, we realized that low-end users could be very much interested in the countries with a low penetration of medicine, like in Pakistan, India, Africa. Well, there are different Africa, like Zambia and some other parts of Africa. So I would say low-end users. And the fourth group, they all, all the rest of the world. I mean, uh, all the people, you know, life is uniting us. I mean, you can choose from Booking.com, a TripAdvisor, or from BMW, or from Mercedes, or you can use a bike. But here, you don't have a choice. I mean you, 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 I mean, you have a choice to live as space tells you, or you can take control in your life in your hands. And that will involve such solutions as we propose to track Right. Yourself. Does this mean if we have biohackers, high net worth individuals, low-end users, and then the rest of the world in that order as far as you know the adopters of this does that mean the late adopters are going to be the countries with the most medicine i'm i'm in this i'm not calling it business but i'm in this industry for almost four years and it's a green field longevity itself starts starting like from 2013 the genetic tests they were worth 100 million dollars uh, 20 years ago now they're like 1000 dollars so everything is uh, there are no rules and i cannot make that kind of prediction what i would what i can do is to collect enough information to put in my ai mod modeling and to predict it using the ai but for that i would need a lot of cases on which i can bring the build prediction model is that your biggest challenge right now is getting enough cases my biggest challenge, I guess, is to, to collect historical data of users because, because without it, nobody can do anything 
regarding using the coding AI computer vision to help people live longer. And what do you expect to do and how much do you expect to collect over the next five, 10 years? What do you see for longevity and time over that period of time? Building this ecosystem uh, will bring us a significant amount of revenues, which will try to reinvest in uh, funding under funded fundamental scientists, either to contribute to existing scientific groups or to find something which is not covered yet and to go there to bring our own longevity, real longevity product, medicine, intervention, technology. Because right now we called ourselves longevity in time. And it's correct because you need to find the disease in time. So you'll have the longevity, your own longevity. But it's not as considered to be on a scientific level regarding inventing something new, which will independently how, how old are you or how sick you are, will prolong your life. But like I said, lots of scientists are doing that. They're losing this war with the death. They're underfunded. The mentality of uh, nations, of governments, uh, they don't understand that they need to invest in that. So uh, we decided, and our life is rolling down and we're dying every day. Our mission is to make our own healthy life, earn on it, invest uh, the fruits of these revenues into fundamental science to get the product which can really extend life. But, I think one of the most disruptive pieces of this is the longevity ecosystem, because you are taking the incentives of people to make money towards their health or their wellness. Yes, but considering this the vision of five or 10 year vision, I think we are going into the into the field which can really extend the life not beyond 120. And we think there are two or three technologies or visions how it can be done. First is xenotransplantation, when you can breed the organ of human in the other species, like in the pig, for example. There are lots of problems in that, but this is quite, has an advantage. It's called xenotransplantation. The second thing is, uh, well, it's already exists, existing, but it's called cryonics. You can freeze yourself after your death. But nobody knows how to unfreeze because when the cell is fr is frozen, it becomes in, in one stage. When it's unfrozen, it, it destroys and nobody knows how to unfr unfreeze it without destroying the cell. And the third, the mind transfer. Because anyway, in 120, in 200, in 150, this body will die. And we need to understand first who we are. Are we this body? Are we something like called soul? Nobody knows what is it. Or we are the brain. And there are no. How did you get on this path, Oleg? How did you just like what was your a pivotal moment where you said, "That's it. I'm doing something about this." Well, in 33, I realized that I'm going to die. That's that pretty young for you to realize that. 33. Yeah, I'm sure that everybody of the of the audience once experienced that, and not just saying that we are mortal. We understand that. So 33, you said, "That's it." I'm going to die. I'm doing something about this. Yeah, at least I started doing something because I understand that I cannot depend on huge companies or on these scientists because you never know, will they succeed or they're just making business. The problem of longevity today and the, why it's underfunded is because all the investors, they want to make money on it. Well, it's but big business. Yeah, Anti-aging is big business. But how can they make money if uh, people die? They can make only money if people will live longer but they cannot see that in their life because the problem of clinical trials is that to try it today to see how the person is going to live in 20, 30 years. In 20, 30 years, the investors will die or they will be very old. 
So they want to earn money right now. That's why the longevity industry today is overwhelmed with different nutrition supplements because right. you can sell some vitamins or resveratrol, like the ingredient of the wine, but nobody says that you need to drink like 30 liters of the wine per day. So you will get that essence of the vitamin. So they made a drug not a drug, like a pill with a, uh, with this respiratory concentration, but they never tested on a 10, 20, 30 year scale how it will affect. So we use AI for making simulations to understand what's going to happen with the person if he's going to eat this kind of uh, nutrition today. But nobody done that before. And uh, this is another way how we can, we can do AI. So I decided to jump into this because before I had like seven successes, one failure, and I realized that it's quite a good percentage of success. Maybe I can be successful here and the benefit of my success would be my own life, not just the money. The money will come if the Facebook selling ads or Telegram having millions of users are cost billions, how much the company, which really can extend life, can cost. I well, think you're certainly very, very passionate about it. And that is I'm a big factor. Yes. yes. How do people get a hold of you? And what types of people do you want to get a hold of you? What do you need? I stopped convincing people. One scientist told me when I said, why this investor, he doesn't want to invest? Why this medical advisor doesn't want to work on the longevity parts? And he said, what do you want? I want to convince them. Don't convince them. Let them die. I say, that's rude. But yes, that's right. Because if you're going to be wasting your time convincing someone, you will die yourself. If they are not convinced in uh, that longevity is good or their brain uh, mindset is so programmed on their everyday life without understanding that it will finish with the collapse of their own life, uh, stop wasting time on that. When you became like uh, very free to not uh, convincing people, you know, these people are starting coming to you. To, to you. Because it's like uh, going after a pretty woman, you know, if you go after her, she will run away. <laughs> Once you stop <laughs> running after her, maybe she will think about you, you know. I think you figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> so how do these pretty women get a hold of you? What is your contact information? How do people reach you? Yeah, well, it's our website, longevityintime.org. And uh, my name is Teterine at longevityintime.org. Or you can reach me in Telegram or any social media. I, we are everywhere in LinkedIn and all other major uh, Oleg Tetirin there. Or my mobile is plus seven nine eight five two two eight seven one nine two. I'm very open for everyone who does want to die and wants to invest their time at least into making your own life longer. And any contribution is welcomed. Any thoughts, any um, time of, of your work, your leads, anything. The reason why uh, we are so much sufficient, because we are zero burn rate, and our operations are going for four years. We don't have checks to, to cover. We have multiple people who are covering with their work all the checks which are covered in other companies in traditional ways. So we are not like a, like a squirrel in a wheel. You know, we're just focusing on the main thing, how to use the coding to defeat early death. And hopefully in 10 years, we will try to do something in the fundamental science, how the anti-aging drug can prolong and extend our life. And scientists will open their hearts and doors because the scientific society is a little bit closed. They're very scared about their ruined reputation and they don't understand. They are in the same, this brain program that they're going to live forever. 
and they don't uh, too much cooperate with the, such companies like ours or hundreds of the, that companies in, in the markets. And this is the big disadvantage for the industry because there are lots of clever guys and they can really change the rules of the game in longevity field for everybody's sake. For everyone's sake. Well, I yeah. am looking forward to that day. Oleg, thank you very much. This was very interesting. I could talk to you for hours about this. Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. And I hope you guys are gonna we're gonna meet each each other when we'll be celebrating 120 years at least. Absolutely. That's yeah. it, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed, go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with a tidbit from this show. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Interruption podcast, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society, with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice, or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.